Hello and welcome to Bridging the Potential, intergenerational conversations that change the world. This is Aaron Johnson. I'm a founding member of Living the Potential Network's Youth Advisory Council with a question for you. What happens when you bridge the experience, education, and expertise of an elder with the curiosity, energy, and innate wisdom of a youth? It's simple. Everyone grows and the world changes for the better. One conversation, one connection, and one collaboration at a time. And today's podcast is no different. Renee Beth connected me with Mo Sisse, who is an immigrant, an image consultant and stylist, a soon-to-be author, and the founder of the Meraki Allure clothing line. And I'll think, I think you'll enjoy our conversation about passion, entrepreneurship, determination, and responsibility. And my favorite part of this podcast was when Mo shared his struggles in his early life, how he persevered through those difficult times, and how life showed him that life is happening for him and not to him. Enjoy. Welcome to Bridging the Potential, intergenerational conversations that change the world. This is Renee Beth Poindexter, and I'm really delighted to have amazing two guests today. This is a space where we listen to youth concerns and connections with experts and projects that are meaningful to them, knowing that the youth offer energy and catalyze innovation and movement. What a delight it is to be with two amazing gentlemen today. Let me introduce my first guest, Mo Sisse, who has an amazing brand called the Meraki, which he's gonna tell us all about. He's coming to us from Southern California. He's soon to be a published author. But what I love most about Mo is he helps people design an image that looks good on the outside so they can be even more confident about who they are on the inside. So, so great. And then the other gentleman I have with me is Aaron Johnson. And Aaron is the youth representing. He's uh, 17, I believe, going on 25 or 30. He's an old soul. Aaron uh, is uh, a writer and he is a change maker. He is a founding member of the uh, Youth Advisory Council for Living the Potential Network. And he's got some really cool projects up his sleeve, which he'll tell us a little bit more about as we get into the conversation. So welcome, gentlemen. It's so grateful to have you with me today. Thank you for having Good us. Good to be here. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to start with you, Mo. Um, it's <laughs> such a, you know, I just love your story. You have an amazing brand and this book that's soon to be released. I can't wait to know more about it. But how did this all start? You know, you, you have a clothing line, you have a brand, you're highly successful, but it wasn't always like that. When I asked you about it, you said, yeah, I'm just a kid from Africa. But tell us, <laughs> tell us, tell us the story. How did it all start? Oh man, thank you again for having me. I mean, the story, uh, the short version is, I came to the US over 20 years ago. Uh, I did everything but fashion. I tried to impress my family by becoming the first doctor in my family. And it was the worst grades I ever had in college. So I finally went to my counselor and decided to change my, uh, my major, uh, graduated and with an English degree and still ended up in corporate America, ignoring my passion, ignoring what I, I love because I was still trying to prove something else to either my family or myself, um, but without truly being authentic to what was already in front of me the whole time, which was the desire and the passion to elevate people's lives, to 
how people dressed apart. I uh, was already a personal stylist on the side uh, for about 10 years before launching our company, but I just looked at it as a hobby, you know? And then fast forward five years ago, two of my clients uh, had an intervention with me, <laughs> practically pulled me to the side and said that, why are you just playing with this idea? Why don't you go all in? I was like, well, people are fashioned or shallow, they're fake. I just made up a lot of excuses. And they said to me um, that at the end of the day, there's good and bad people in every industry. I don't care if it's healthcare or education. It all comes down to who you are and what you make of it. So this was a great turning point in my life and illustration of why it's important to surround yourself with good people because I actually listened to their feedback and I was like, well, I guess they're kind of right. So uh, I went on that journey at the end of 2015 to figure out which lane of the industry that I wanted to be in. And fast forward, we decided to be more in the environmentally conscious uh, lane of the uh, industry, of the fashion industry, and to focus on high-end uh, clothing for men and women while providing image consulting services. So that's the, the shortest version of it. Uh, but uh, I guess needless to say, the answer was in front of me uh, for a long time, but it took two good friends to have an intervention with me for me to listen. <laughs> well, one of the things I remember and um, getting to know you better is that your mom had a huge influence on you. Like when you think Absolutely. about it, and that's kind of the thinking back about what's been a let's say the art of becoming you was seeds planted way earlier that you didn't really see until now. And you look back and maybe you could tell us a little bit about that because Absolutely. sometimes they, people go, well, what do my parents know? No, I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> exactly. So I'm so glad you brought that up because my mom is a huge part of the inspiration. Um, the foundation was so much that I'm doing it with my life now from the clothing line to even the book. Um, so with the clothing line, she, the way she afforded to bring me to the U S mind you, that was actually my birthday gift. Uh, when I was 12 years old, she brought me to America as my birthday present. I literally left Africa on October 23rd of 1997 on my actual birthday, which is something that's hard to forget. So the way she afforded to bring me to the U S was she was, um, and, African fashion designer herself. She sold clothes in different countries of Africa and Europe sometimes and overseas. And she was always an entrepreneur my entire life. So fast forward to the year that she brought me to the US, I just thought that was just fashion was my mom's thing. I didn't really think much of it, especially that it was only African clothes. But I guess uh, <laughs> it was, again, in front of me the whole time. And when I told her at the end of 2015 that I was going to launch my own clothing line, she said to me, she said, well, I guess you're just going to be following your mother's footsteps. I said, well, I guess the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. That's true. But this idea of doing it differently. In mm -hmm. other words, you had a perception and then your mm -hmm. friend said, wait a second, you can yeah. put your own stamp of, uh, branding and a way yeah. to be in the fashion industry that's a little bit different than what you thought you yeah. might be, you know, pigeonholed into being, you know, you wanted to have an image with your family back in Africa. <laughs> Here you're in the image business for other people, but you have kind of an energy about, well, what does that yeah. really mean? How am I going to do it different? How did you figure that out? Well, uh, I think it's, it has a lot to do with Prior to launching the clothing line, I was already a personal stylist. I would literally take men and women shopping 
and teach them how to put things together. Um, but again, I just saw it as just as a hobby. But one of my favorite part about being a stylist is the instant confidence I see my clients uh, transform into. You know, they go from, I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. And then we put the right outfit on them. And it's almost like all of a sudden they walk differently. You know, <laughs> like you were walking like that before we dressed you. But all of a sudden, you know, you're walking differently. So that, as I mentioned to you in our previous call, I look at what I do as a personal development from the outside to within, because it's an easier change for me to change your outfit. And eventually that'll affect your mood and your confidence and the way you treat others and the way that uh, others treat you. Um, my favorite quote says, dress how you want to be addressed. You know, I feel like dressing the part is the easiest way for me to demand respect without saying the word. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting at a coffee shop. Well, when you used to be able to sit at a coffee shop, <laughs> uh, how many times you be out somewhere and people just literally tap on my shoulder or walk up to me and compliment the outfit and it leads to, you know, quality connections and conversation, even business partnership, just from a compliment. You know, so I'm a true crusader <laughs> for the world uh, to learn to just own their image and to elevate their image because uh, it does impact in the way that you interact with the world, but also how the world interacts with you. Beautiful. So is that where the name Meraki came from? The name Meraki uh, actually came from as an inspiration from a 13 year old at the time. Uh, when I finally decided to go all in to launch Meraki, um, the, um, the natural tendency in our industry is to use your name, like a lot of fashion brands, but I didn't want to build a brand around my name. I wanted to have a brand and a name that could inspire multiple culture and be international eventually. So I couldn't find any good names. So I turned to my 13-year-old nephew at the time. I said, hey, uh, can you go online and find me cool words, words that have good meanings? And then so to my big surprise, less than 24 hours later, the boy showed me the meaning of Meraki and a few other words. And as soon as I read it, I'll never forget that day because it's like a Wednesday, 11 p.m. at night. And then the boy told me, um, and I told him, I said, this is it, that's the word. So once we found the word Meraki, a few days later, I married it with the word allure. Um, and that's how, how the meaning came because the word Meraki itself is a Greek word. Yeah. And what does it mean? What does Meraki it, mean? It means to do something with love, um, to do something with passion, whenever you put a piece of yourself in your work. So to me, that was something that could inspire billions of people across the world, whether you're a chef, whether you're a writer, whether you're an athlete but just whatever you do, doing it with passion, put it in a piece of yourself into your work with something I could build a brand around. And I'm just one of those people, I love branding, I love quality marketing. And um, I tell people a lot that that's why I'm an Apple fan, not because Android doesn't make better products sometimes, but it's because the branding that Apple creates, it creates a passionate connection with people and that's why people like me follow Apple all the time, not because we love everything to do, because the branding resonates right. uh, with who we are, you know? Right. It's the yeah. image. But you, you give a whole new, you know, this is really important, I feel, about the idea of image. You know, this idea of image and love and heart. You know, there's something that, and everybody 
needs to be addressed, you know, with respect. So you've combined some things that are a little bit different than normal people in the industry. I think you were concerned about some aspects of the industry that you wanted to uplift to a positive way. So I'm just curious about that blend of image and heart and, you know, confidence and being your best you that you can be from the outside mm -hmm. in. I mean, how many people need to know that? And maybe you mm -hmm. have a story or an example of how transformational that can be. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I think it all stems down to my journey as an immigrant. You know, how did I demand respect? How did I make people treat me in a positive sense, especially as not only as an immigrant, but as a black man and everything else. So I think a lot of that stems from that to wanting to make sure that whenever I left my house, I always presented my best self, not from a place of uh, being unauthentic or pretending or putting a facade on because this, as a teenager, that was definitely a struggle, you know, to finding a good balance between that. But then when you have an industry that could be very vain, uh, it's very important to make sure which lane you want to be in because it could be a major distraction where it just becomes about the material aspect of what is it that we're selling. And I didn't want to get caught up in that because it could be a dangerous road when you just focus on the, on the vain aspect of dressing the part, you know? And then from why we chose to be environmentally conscious, for me, um, it's really important, at least for, at this stage in my life, that whatever I do, I can see myself doing the next 20 years. Just like the work that you guys do with the mentoring and things, this is something I can see myself doing for generations to come. It's not a trend to be a mentor. It's not a trend. It doesn't just come and go. You know, impacting people's lives is a forever type of, type, type of work, you know? Uh, so that when you marry all of those things from who I am, where I came from, the challenges that I face, dealing with an industry that could be distracting if you're not careful, to the impact that uh, you want, the kind of legacy you want to leave. When you marry all of those things together, it really um, hones into why we have the core values that we have. Because the truth is, all these big brands that you see at the mall and things like that, if you go to their website, most of them, you're not going to find a mission statement of core values. But we have core values. We have things that we're trying to abide by. Um, because if we just wanted to make a lot of money really fast, we don't have to be environmentally conscious. We could just go and order a lot of cheap things from China and make a lot of money online. And that's okay too. But that's just not the lane that we wanted to be a part of. Exactly. Well, there's some, this connection of the heart, you know, I, I want to just bring it back to you because mm -hmm. you've got a book coming out and I know what it's like to birth a book. <laughs> This book is probably tells more of your story and how your company, um, yeah. the Meraki Allure um, LLC came into being. Um, Can you tell us a little more about yeah. that book? I know it's just around the corner. We'd like a little sneak preview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate that. So the book, um, since you guys are special VIP guests, I'll tell you, uh, the book is going to be called um, the American Allure uh, talks about the notion that this America has, if you're going to see America as this branding, this marketing giant, it has a beautiful way of setting this beautiful aesthetic perspective of itself when you're outside the U.S. 
almost like you just got to show up and then money just grows on trees. You don't have to work that hard. So us immigrants on the outside, we just think, man, we just got to do anything to just come to America and then life will be set. <laughs> and then you show up, you're like, what? I do have to work. I work even harder now when I'm in America than when I was back home, you know? So that's a little bit of the preface in the sense of what drew my family to sacrifice everything to come to this country? What drew us to, um, to overcome the challenges and still stay here and bring more family members? Why am I still here? Why do I still love America overall? Why do I still choose to build my future family here? So it talks about that journey. Uh, even my first day in America, what that was like landing in New York and the cold uh, winter of uh, New York. And I didn't even... I didn't even have proper clothing because we don't have really have winter coats from where I'm from. It's just tropical, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but the, the book talks about all of that all the way to what it was like to finally realize my dream and following my passion with the clothing line and the people that have come through my journey to really impact that anywhere from my mom to different mentors that I've had. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Thanks for giving us a sneak preview of it. It's pretty important because <laughs> I wanted to bring Aaron in, um, Aaron Johnson, who also is a writer and who also is heavily influenced by his mother and to Absolutely. who he is becoming. I mean, don't get me wrong on this. Aaron is his own person, 100%. And uh, it's just, he's so awake and aware. Um, I'm so inspired by his leadership and how he uh, takes on projects. Um, yeah. He does administrative support for different entrepreneurs. I'm one of them, <laughs> along with, um, you know, his writing capacity, his interest in, um, you know, making the world a better place. I'll let him tell you more about it. He's custom creating his own uh, pathway now as we speak, and he knows he's in the driver's seat of his life, and he's chosen you, Mo, <laughs> to be his mentor. So, Aaron, thanks for being with that. us. Um, I would Absolutely. love for you to share a little bit about what you're up to, and then we'll kind of bridge to what you've heard from Mo that you would like to talk further about. Sure. Um, well, what I'm up to right now, I'm up to a lot of different things. Um, I've technically finished um, high school. I have my high school diploma, um, but I'm still taking classes. I graduated a year early, and I've been able to take some classes that I love and take some I do things like mock trials um, and improv and all the fun stuff that I love doing um, in school that really fit me. At the same time, I'm also um, writing two books at the same time, more, more one other than the other because it's taking up a lot of my time, but the other one's still in the background and a big part of how I, I guess I see the world and I still think about it. And, you know, it's, it's a big processing um, uh, journey, which I, I wonder if Mo knows anything about that. Um, him writing his book. Uh, at the same time, I'm also an admin for Limited Potential Network, and I'm thinking of uh, branching out. Occasionally, I do freelance work for other entrepreneurs, like transcription. Uh, right now, I'm doing like uh, back end, you know, um, inner working stuff that no one ever thinks about. You know, making agreements, making sure things are paid on time, making sure we have the infrastructure for this event that's coming up, um, and all that kind of stuff. And I guess that brings me to my one, um, one of my big passions or my Meraki's in life, or I don't know if that's how you would say the plural, but. Yeah, um, absolutely. And um, I'm, I am thinking about moving more into an entrepreneurial space with my career. I'm not completely sure. I'm in this place of really not knowing like 
at all if it's college or if it's college and then entrepreneurship or if it's entrepreneurship right away and um and you followed your passion you had some good friends and some good clients with you mm-hmm. and uh, you said clients first and i was like well those are some good friends giving you an intervention like that like they love you know, <laughs> to, you know let you know what you really need to be doing and what they see you doing and one of my passions is um being an entrepreneur and um, helping people through community and uh, education and i think one thing that i like to talk about or like ask you is like about the challenges and the lessons that you've had to face being an entrepreneur and and following that passion even though it might have been hard or i don't know Mm -hmm. just anything about that so your question just to make sure is about how i faced the challenges or what yeah, do you like what, what challenges did you face in terms of mm-hmm. like relating to having to follow your passion for on, being mm-hmm. an entrepreneur? Because, you know, being an entrepreneur has a lot of fun learning curves and I've had yeah. a few myself, but I've seen it a lot yeah. with my mom working with other entrepreneurs. So, you know, Absolutely. anything about that and important lessons, you know, challenges. Absolutely. I love that. That's a great question. It's a great question to kind of open things up. Uh, my first thing is um, one of my favorite books is The Alchemist. And in The Alchemist, he talks about the, the beginner's luck um, and how sometimes you go after that kind of phases out, uh, you go through the real experiences of it. So what determines the people that transpire and the people that end up quitting are going through those challenges still while holding fast to your vision and what your passion is. You know, although I love the book and I knew that that was a fact, but the challenge with humans is that we're emotional creatures. You know, when you're going through it, a lot of times you feel like you're alone when you're not, but you think that way. And, um, and you think that, you know, you're uniquely defective in whatever challenges you're going through. So for me, every entrepreneur may have different challenges and how they cope with it. But what is guaranteed is there will be challenges. It's just, there's no way about it. It's kind of like when someone tells you life is easy, like that's, (laughs) you know, it's all about your perspective and how you go around. It doesn't mean life sucks. It just simply means that there will be challenges, prepare yourself. And when it happens and just make sure you have as many tools in your toolbox to deal with it. So the best thing I can share with you from my experience is um, our biggest challenge initially was figuring out which lane we wanted to be in because it is intimidating in our industry when your friend or other people start their brand and they're fast fashion and they're making so much more money than you are in the beginning and then you're like oh my god maybe i need to jump and go into that lane you know it's still kind of like shiny object um concept you know but being committed enough to your vision to stand by what you believe in and of course, it's okay to evolve and improve your ideas and your things, but being committed to that and being non-negotiable about what is it that you want. See, the other thing is, as you can tell by my story, is the power of association, you know, is, yeah, yeah the few people that do come around you that decide to partner with you and make sure, <clears throat> excuse me, they're truly people that share the same vision uh, and you have an unconditional support for each other because, Everyone can say that they're there for you and they love you just like in real life. But the people that actually stay with you through the challenges are, are a few, you know. And then the other secret ingredient to my journey, I would say, is combining faith and personal development. Uh, meaning that I have a strong sense of who I am and 
that I know that I'm not an accident. Like this life I've been giving, this journey I've been giving is not an accident, you know, and, but also continuously finding ways to grow myself. So I have a very strict morning routine. Like I pretty much every day of the day, uh, the, every day I spend at least two hours to myself before I, I even touch my phone and check emails from meditating to prayer, to exercise, to affirmations. So it just makes sure that for me, that whenever I'm ready to attack the day, I attack it with the, with the utmost uh, confidence that I can. It doesn't mean, of course, that days always go perfectly, but making sure that you have that discipline um, to really, um, for lack of better words, to really make sure that you beware of your mindset um, mm. really matters in every area of your life. Um, even with working with others and potentially going into coaching, I always tell people, I like to look at life from a holistic perspective. You know, Tony Robbins says that how you do one thing is how you do another thing. You know, it's like, it's great to make money, but how good is money if you're not a good son, you're not a good husband, you're not a good brother, you know, everything is connected, you know? So yeah. that is a long-winded uh, <laughs> answer to your question. Well, I got but, so yeah. much from that. It makes so much sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. um, it sounds like a lot of you, like in Renee Beth too, um, she, both of you understand the importance of relationships, which you were talking about, and community, which I didn't know about that until I came here, like with Living the Potential Network and the school that I'm with now, like the value of that is like, invaluable it's it's all of it and um also you know having faith in yourself and being confident in who you are is big and like i just think like how much i am like you with the routine thing which i could yeah. honestly be doing better at that as a teenager i'll tell you what i mean i still do uh, get up and <laughs> i do exercise but you know i could probably put my phone away and not look at it till work time yeah. but i think the biggest thing that is like maybe a commonality is like your perspective Mm-hmm. And how yeah. you look at the world, it really determines how you show up mm-hmm. and um, like how things work out for you. And mm-hmm. it sounds like when you're talking about your challenges, you don't talk about them like, oh, yeah, God, I hated that. You, you talk about it like, uh, I, oh, yeah, I had that experience and that was awesome now because now I'm mm-hmm. here, you know? Yeah. Um, that's like, I think a lot of what I try and think about is like the life happens for you, not to you sort of thing. Oh, yeah. I love Does that. that. Make sense? Yeah, I love when you say that because it's so true. It's all about perspective. It's Mm -hmm. like, at the end of the day, it's what we choose it to be. We are the only creature in this this humanity that has the choice Mm -hmm. to either be great or not, or to live our potential or not. Yeah. You know, I've heard it said that we're the only mammals that can choose not to fulfill our potential. A tree mm-hmm. will always be a tree. Mm-hmm. Like a palm tree will always grow as tall as it's supposed to be. You've never seen a palm tree like go at one foot and say, you know, this is short enough is it, or this is tall enough. I'm just going to stop here. Palm trees always oh are God. usually tall, yeah. you know? And, yeah. you know, when you look at all the other species out there, they do what they're meant to do. But humans are the only ones that can choose to be like, you know what? I know I live in America or I know I have access to these things, but I'm just going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the way I like to think about it is like, you know, uh, you ever play slug bug or, you know, I think that's like maybe 
an older oh, yeah, name yeah. for yeah, it, yeah, but yeah. like you see a yeah. buggy and you say the color, yeah, yeah. then punch someone in the car. Hopefully not yeah. the driver, which you know I <laughs> I've done that a few times, of course, and I got yelled at. But um, it's like when you're when you know you're playing the game and you agree with someone that you're going to play the game and you're going to look for that that kind of car. Mm-hmm. All you're going to see is that kind of car. Absolutely. So if you're looking for the crap that happens to you that you don't like yeah. in the world absolutely that's all you're gonna see and absolutely. you're never gonna get out of it and that's how i see it just like well i'll attract what i look for you yeah. know even if there's some if there's some poopy stuff over on the side you know absolutely absolutely yeah. no i love that perspective you have and i'm like i said i i i look up to you i i oh. uh, i'm grateful to be a part of these type of conversation because um i know you know, I tell some of my closest friends when I think about my life and how I've been blessed in certain ways and how certain people have really played a major role in my life. I think about what if I had never discovered personal development? What if, what if I never realized what reaching your potential meant? What if I just stayed back home? I never came to America. Like those type of thoughts carry me and make me appreciate at the same time what I do have. You know, because what if none of us had ever crossed back? Yeah. What if Renee Beth never went to realize this idea of this organization? You know, so to me, it's like when now you think about that and the value that's been added to the world and what the world would be without it is more reasons for us to continue to do what we do and hopefully uh, live up to our potential. Pun intended. <laughs> I have a quick question. Um, yeah. It's okay. This idea um, in the book that I wrote, you know, um, living the potential, engaging the wisdom of our youth to save the world. So people, a lot of people have rolled their eyes like, oh yeah, right. The youth are going to save the world, right? Mm-hmm. But what if we have this all backwards, Mo? What if we think that the older you get, the smarter you get? What if the older you get, the more you forget? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just wondering for you, you, you know, just what an amazing journey you've been on. I'm wondering, is there times in your life when you kind of awakened to the wisdom that you had inside that nobody else could see it, but you knew it? I'm just wondering. Yeah, I love that. I love the quality questions you guys have. Um, I might butcher this gentleman's name wrong, but I think his last name was Marquis. He was the chancellor of Germany back in the day. So I heard a story that he was one of the first people to introduce the notion of retirement at 65. But he didn't tell the world why he was doing it. He was doing it because he wanted all of his enemies that had the most power, the most wisdom, were all turning 65. And then he (laughs) convinced the German legislature and the government to make retirement at 65 mandatory and slowly wiping out some of the greatest, um, powerful, full of wisdom people out there so he can basically (laughs) achieve his goal. I share that to say that I believe in balance. This call right now, this interview right now is a perfect illustration of that, where you can combine wisdom and youth and energy and bring it all together to create a greater cause. I don't believe in African culture, for instance, there's, I've never heard of retirement homes. Like when someone gets older, they just, your parents, they move in with you. They took care of you, you move in with Mm -hmm. them. You know, like there's a cycle of just constantly feeding into each other. 
you know, that doesn't mean I'm against nursing home by any means, but <laughs> as it just means that I, there's beauty and power in being able to coexist together and the balance and the beauty that comes from that, you know? So to answer your question, uh, Renee Beth, I, it's beautiful to be where I am now, where I'm young enough, where I can connect to my nieces and nephews, um, but I have enough strength and stability in who I am that I can also be around wisdom and others older than me and be able to um, connect on a deeper level because I've always been an old soul by nature. I'm the youngest of seven kids. So um, yeah. I've always been around adults my whole life. So um, it, exactly, exactly. <laughs> You'll hear more about that in the book as well. It's like now I'm learning to appreciate it. I'm like, oh my God, it was so crazy. I was always the only kid around. And now right. I'm like, oh, it was all in preparation for something great. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, but there's one thing I want to say, Mo, is about the wisdom of that 13-year-old nephew of yours that mm -hmm. came up with the name. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The 13-year-old had the wisdom to find the word mm -hmm. that shifted your mm -hmm. brand to becoming, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. this Meraki Allure, you know, is such mm -hmm. a beautiful um, name. And I love that it's all about love and heart and all of that. But I just wonder, mm -hmm. you know, because Erin, mm -hmm. you, you two just said, you know, like you're both influenced by your mothers. You mm -hmm. both have this yeah. entrepreneurial gene. You started to take ownership and being brave. I'd say, uh, you know, Mo moved here when he was 12 to the United States and you know we had to learn a whole new culture there he was were you in New York and you didn't have a jacket and you were cold and you know it's like oh my gosh the weather's different. everything's different so at 12 this world was shaken you know mm -hmm. and I think it's that capacity to wake up to the character that's inside of us that's emerging yeah. to who we are becoming and I'm wondering Erin you know when you hear that about for your own journey about what you learned, because I think you're an old soul. Both of you are old souls. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, okay, Mo, you're like 30 something, is that right? Yeah, I'm 35, yeah. 35 and Erin, you are 17, but there's this, this common quality of language that you both are sharing yeah. that's so powerful. And I'm just wondering, Erin, when you realize your own journey of wake ups to mm -hmm. 17, what you heard from um, Mo, is there any more insight that you want to give to your own journey that maybe you didn't have before? Sure. Well, I mean, I'll just reiterate again that Mo being a, like just existing and telling me, telling us about like his journey is really freaky because it's mine echoed back to me in a different way. Um, you know, we've got strong mother influence yeah. and we've got entrepreneurial spirit, like just knowing it. You know, I was like in a garage sale, like I, I was the one who wanted to, you know, get the money, set the prices, negotiate it like <laughs> eight. You know, my mom was like, all right, go ahead, do it. And, you know, that's how it. she knew from the get go. But, you know, I know you immigrated here. And I think some common theme that I'm seeing is resilience and discipline in a way. Yeah. You moved here um, from a completely different culture, different language. And of course, I didn't do that. I've been in America my whole life. But mm -hmm. around 13, I moved from Southern California to where I am now in Portland, Oregon. And that next year, that first year I was here was probably the worst year I've had in my life. Um, you know, not to say that it was just dreadful, but it, it yeah. sucked, you know. It was Absolutely. like, that's the best thing I have to compare 
you know yeah um and i had no friends i had no community yeah. i didn't have a school that i liked i was doing online school that i just kind of despised um and yeah. i thought they were treating me like a monkey that yeah. you know who couldn't have who wasn't allowed to have big dreams like i remember i was doing yeah. like a career make you take a career class and they tell you what kind of goals should you have on a test oh my god and the options were small and manageable or large and you know un- unmanageable and I, and I was like oh well you can have both you know um, <laughs> i love it you know and I, I, and I told my mom <laughs> and she was like oh my god you know she's mad too <laughs> and i think the way that i built my resilience was you know and i, I think it, confidence too was going to my yeah. the school that i have now and having the freedom to um you know take control of my life even though it sucked then and build it up to where I am now, and especially mm-hmm. have the opportunity to be in things like mock trial, where um, like my speaking skills are mm-hmm. just like way better than they were, and I'm more confident mm-hmm. speaking in front of people. And yeah. now I appreciate, you know, the relationship part of it, and I'm just like seeing this commonality over and over, like <laughs> part of those characteristics, like have made us yeah. somehow very similar. Like it's like ingredients into a, you know, Absolutely. like an archetype. You know, we're like an yeah. archetype now that we like the same person. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm just your African brother, man. That's all. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Like, I know. Mother this, that's brother, all it mother, is. Mother. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, but I love that. And you talked about discipline and uh, resilience. Uh, I think we talked about this briefly in our, uh, in our last call. And I genuinely believe wholeheartedly that nothing worthy in life can be accomplished without discipline. Hmm. You know? I don't care if if it's your health, a successful marriage marriage or a successful business, it all requires discipline if you want like a quality um, outcome out of it. Because I think everything reaches a a testing point at some point, you know, Mm. Um, and the ones that have resilience and discipline will survive. Right. And I I think that comes back to another thing that I remember you, you talked about how in sixth grade, Right, sixth mm-hmm. grade, you oh, had yeah. mm-hmm. you. Oh, yeah. It was hard because it was your first year here. Oh yeah, and you were having to learn English and then also oh, yeah. catch up yeah. on American school, public schooling. Yeah. Like, and so who did you contact again? Was it your? You want to explain that whole experience? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is when you were talking about your year that you moved to Oregon, how it was bad. That's literally mm-hmm. what I was thinking about. Is mm-hmm. my of my mm. sixth grade story because that was my first right. year and I wanted to leave. I wanted to go back home to Africa mm. and my sister, I would mm. call her and cry at least two or three times a week. I would call her work and she worked at a salon. So when the phone rang, everyone hears the phone ringing. <laughs> and then um, the lady that would mm. answer the phone, she just get tired of answering my call. She would just pass my sister the phone automatically. And I would just bawl and cry. And my sister would say, it's okay if you want to go back home, but just give it a year. If you don't like it after a year, then we can take you back home, but at least try for a year, you know? Mm. Um, and that was such uh, powerful wisdom. I'm not sure if she even realized how powerful it is, but I talk about it in the book. And, um, but that was the key thing for me is that moving forward in my life before I decided to quit on Meraki or anything else, I needed to just give it a year. And then as an entrepreneur, I just sell myself in one more year, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Yeah. But I mean, that experience made you want to figure it out in that year, right? Like, 
Yeah. And, and it comes back to my life. Uh, I wasn't in sixth grade and I don't have a sister, but it, I was in <laughs> second grade and I was going yeah. to this Montessori school and I was yeah. bullied like quite a bit for like the first oh, three yeah. quarters of too. that grade. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I would tell my mom and my dad and like, it would be like, okay, you know, go to the teacher, ask her for help in those situations to see if you yeah. can, you know, come to an even ground where maybe they are <laughs> too scared to come and, you know, yeah. mess with you anymore and it wasn't like actual like physical abuse is all verbal and um, yeah and like too. just the worst kind of teasing but yeah um I told my teacher and she would she didn't care she just you know you got to figure it out on your own and and um I had to figure out how to deal with them how to not let them affect me but also towards the end of the year some of my friends and I figured out how to trap them Mm, you know and and showing the principal what was actually going on and in a way we got some kind of justice where not only were they caught right like uh, yeah justice justice has been served but I also was able to become friends with them at the end and make peace with them you know so I figured out because my and my parents my mom told me you know um we're gonna try everything we can do to figure it out and if it doesn't Mm -hmm. work out we'll move schools uh, next semester or or year I can't remember it was a long time ago but yeah and so that's why I think like that sort of experience helps you prepare helped us prepare for the difficulties and the bullies in real life once you're an adult which are probably way worse you know absolutely and so you know it's just another you know another freaky thing I thought I'd throw in there I love it what's empowering about that Aaron is that you learned early to you know, to take ownership of your experience, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to, um, you know, blaming other people. And I think that's where you get some of your philosophy and why this perspective that um, you shared. I'm wondering, um, Mo has mentioned quite a bit about personal development. When you hear him say that, Mo, um, I mean, Aaron, when you hear Mo say personal development and faith, Mm. shows up for you and then I wonder Mo if you want after you hear from Aaron if there's anything else you want to share about that because it's a really good Mm -hmm. recipe for becoming your highest best self right well I think you know when you hear personal development you go oh like all those books and all those weird courses you can get for like half the price all of a sudden for some reason (laughs) and you're like oh god not another one of those you know that's what and but I, when you talk about personal development, Mo, it's very different in the way that you're working on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you're working on yourself by taking the past and trying to learn from it actively. Like that's kind of how I see you when, yeah. you when you tell your stories. Like you always learn something from your experiences. Mm-hmm. And combining the faith part, which is, the, again, the life happens for you, not to you thing that I kind of feel with you that's the faith part. And the faith part is that you're taking care of, you know, like the world is taking care of you. It's happening for you. And these experiences are getting you to do what you're meant to do. And that's where I see personal development and faith intersecting. If that makes sense. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, I'm gonna have to take this kid on the on the seminar. We're gonna have to do some <laughs> events together. Yeah, this is gonna yeah. be awesome energy with the three of us on Let's stage. Go. Oh my god, we can impact right. some lives for sure. I love it. Um, yeah. Not only your questions are valuable, but the way you listen and um, and truly present, I appreciate that about both of you guys. 
Um, I'm excited to see what this leads to. But yeah, to kind of conclude it, um, for faith, and you said it perfectly, the only thing I would add is that there's beauty about making sure that you truly own uh, that life happens for you instead of playing the victim card. Because when you do that, you go from just reacting to everything that happens. You're like, okay, this is not happening as I planned. <laughs> it's a bit challenging right now, but what can I do about it? Mm-hmm. And that's even, um, if you talk about some of these coaches and things that sell their programs, they were talking about your can-do list, be solution-oriented. Okay, I right. get it, this happened. I have no control over the fact that it happened, but what's my can-do list? What's my solution-oriented aspect of things? And just list that because the beauty about humans, we can always find something if we focus hard enough on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what faith means to me uh, on a deeper level and beyond. And personal development is just always sharpening my ax, always sharpening mm-hmm. my ax. How can I improve my health? How can I be a brother, uncle to my nieces and nephews? How can I be a, a better future father and, and, you know, a life partner and all of those things? Um, and just taking real inventory of your life and ownership. I guess that's what I'm looking for. Taking real ownership of your life. Responsibility. Cons- exactly. Exactly. Responsibility. Wow. Yep. Okay. This is such a rich yeah. conversation. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I have my question and I don't know how, who to ask first. So I'm going to throw it out there and you guys decide. <laughs> She's like, I don't need to touch this one. She's like, that's funny. Okay. What do you want people to say about you, let's say a hundred years from now? Mm. And, um, you know, what is it that they're saying? You know, what do you want them to say? And as they say, I throw the baton into the ring and who's picking it up first? Aaron, you go first. I I would say (laughs) that I was, um, that I was the best part, the best, the best version of myself at the end of my life. Oh, and as long as I was, um, and that I inspired others to be the same. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So part of, um, man, this time just flies when you're having a good time. I Um, I just realized that our hour just flew by. Mm-hmm. So I'll just share this real quick and I'll share, I'll answer your question, Renee, but we'll we have a few have more minutes. We have a few more minutes. Yeah. We don't have to finish right at the top of the hour. <laughs> okay. So to answer your question, I'll tell you two things because this is so, so important for me. Um, it was a guiding force in my life, even before I decided to go all in with Miraculous or to actually follow my passion. So long story short, I think it was 2014. I went to a seminar to one of those people that you're talking about, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, I went yeah. to his seminar. His name is Les Brown. I was like, ah, I don't, oh, yeah. I've only, yeah. So I, uh, the company I worked with at the time hired him to come speak. I was like, man, I've only seen this guy on YouTube. I don't really know what to expect, but I think it's going to be great. So long story short, he comes on stage and does an amazing job. Like he shares a story that I even share in the book because it made such a significant impact on me. He said, I'll give you the short version. The short version is imagine yourself on your last day here and you're in your deathbed and around your deathbed are these beings. They're walking around your deathbed and they're frustrated, they're upset. And you're trying to figure out why they're upset, but it's hard for you to talk. 
And then finally, you muster up the words and you say to them, why are you guys upset? They said, we're mad because we were gifts sent to this world with you. Only you could have brought us to life, but you never did. And we're upset because now we have to lay here and die with you. And we never came to life. Wow. So you want to have and none of those around, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, that almost kind of what sounds ever. like you want to live up to your fullest potential before you die. Exactly. That's exactly, exactly. There it is. Okay. Exactly it. So wow. that leads me to um, keeping the end in mind and what my potential is. So here's my epitaph. Epitaph is obviously what you put on your tombstone, what I would love to have on my tombstone. So I'll read it to you guys. It's part of my daily gratitude list. Um, so it says, here lies a man that led a life of faith, passion, perseverance, abundance, and that left a legacy for his family for generations to come. Wow. I say so that. when you know that our end is inevitable, there's no one is getting out of this thing alive. <laughs> right. You know, so how do we make account? You know, wow. so that's that's a little Beautiful. bit about what drives me right there on the deepest level. Wow. Well, I'd say, Mo, food for thought is you're living your legacy. You're living it. You're living your legacy now. It's not something you have Thank to you. leave. You're living it. Thank you. <laughs> Which uh, is like part of the close for this beautiful mm -hmm. conversation we're having. I'm just curious um, if there's two or three things that you've learned from the conversation about you or life that you didn't know before as a result of being here today. I, I could list about 15 or 20, but the show's not about me. <laughs> it's about you too. Right. So Erin, are there two or three things that you learned or Mo, two or three things that you learned that um, mm. you didn't know? Whoever wants to speak first, that's fine. You both are old souls, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that I don't know if I learned anything completely new here. And that's only because Mo and I are freakishly alike. And I think that it, most of this conversation has confirmed things for me um, and, and things that have shown up in my life. Um, perspective is one of them. And that perspective changes everything. Um, and, um, you know, depending on whether or not you think things are happening to you and you are a victim, like I was thinking when you were talking about that, Mo, I remember learning in driver's ed, like you don't react, you respond. And just like you were talking about, it's the, it's the distinction there. And um, having that perspective of not playing the victim and taking responsibility for who you are in your life is such an important mm -hmm. part. And it's always been a bit of part of my life and my conversation. My mom would tell you about that. Um, I think it solidified my belief in relationships and yeah. uh, community and how important those are and networks. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, um, faith. And like you said, Mo, of course, and routine and discipline in a way, you know, maybe not military sergeant discipline, <laughs> but, um, you know, being, it's another part of that responsibility thing and yeah, owning absolutely. it for yourself and your life. And so Absolutely. you can you can reach the full potential. It's the big idea there. Wow, Aaron, 
You got a lot of things off my list, but I want to hear. Oh, from you over here checking them off. <laughs> well, it's such a rich conversation. Uh, it's a conversation that changed the world. So yeah. I love it. Show up for you. I wish that uh, this could be broadcasted across the entire world in different languages because it's it's something that the world needs, especially with everything happening right. Now. And I agree with his list with 100%. Um, it wasn't something new. It was more so confirmation for what we all believe here on this call on a deeper level that number one it doesn't matter where we're from uh doesn't matter um skin color race any of these other things that could be limiting to the world it's about connecting on a deeper level and inspiring each other to live to our potential you know so from everywhere from the synchronicity of uh his experience and challenges to mine it's just further confirmation that it it doesn't matter where I came from or where he came from at the end of the day we have such an abundance of ways to add value to each other um, simply because of our principles in life and our values you know um, and um, yeah he he said it perfectly it's uh it's literally uh he hit the nail on the head wow well, for me, I love Les Brown. I remember he spoke at a group because you got to be hungry. You got to be hungry you know, for life. And that beautiful thing about the gifts and living your gifts. And the other piece that I learned about, you know, the context of the mammals are the only ones that have a choice. I've known, you know, that, but the, con the way in which you said it, Mo, is yeah. so, you know, we have a choice to live our gifts and bring it forward. And what if we had systems and support and mentoring, we could bring about the changes that we need. I think peace could be on earth. We could have peace on earth for sure. And I love Aaron, you know, so much of what you shared, you know, life happens for you, not to you, you know? And I wonder if I would have known that at age 15, 16 or 17. Oh yeah. Where my oh, life would yeah. be today, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the other piece I learned is about the day, starting the day, two hours to set time. Like you, do you get up at four in the morning? <laughs> I'm just curious. Actually, let me say something to encourage you both. Um, it didn't start with two hours. It started with 15, 20 minutes about four years ago. Because uh, I used to take my nieces and nephews to school every day for three years. And I would woke up around 5 a.m. and do my time to myself so I can be fully present with them. So I just want to encourage you that it doesn't start with two hours. It's just you start with whatever you can because there's something beautiful about the human mind when we repeatedly do something consistently and we're succeeding at it. It builds confidence, you know, to know that you're doing what you said that you did, that you were going to do. You know, so Beautiful. it doesn't start there, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Anyway. So Mo, I know our listeners are going to go, where do I find out more information about this Meraki allure and Mo's <laughs> to say, where do I find out more? Where, where would you have our listeners go to, to find more information? Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. Um, so Meraki allure is easy to Google because it's such a unique name. <laughs> uh, so um, that's easy to find. And for those that want to find me personally, uh, luckily there's not that many most to say out there. So you can actually Google me as well. Um, but everything on social media is under the same name. So just M-O, not M-O-E, but M-O. And then last name is C-I-S-S-E. -S -S -E. So social media and all that. Mm -hmm. And 
and Meraki is M-E-R-A-K-I. If That's you right. are watching and see his name, and yeah, yeah, and it's Allure, A-L-L-U-R-E. Yeah. Thank right. you. Exactly. Find out more yeah. about Aaron at uh, com <laughs> under Youth Advisory Council. He is the founding um, leader for this mm -hmm. network that's emerging. And um, any other place, Aaron, people can find you? Yeah. No. No, I don't. I don't use social media for the most part. But uh, yeah. you can find me there under uh, Youth uh, Membership Networking and all that stuff. Okay. All right. Well, I want to thank both of you gentlemen for being here today. Um, this is a fabulous conversation. I can't wait to listen to it again. We're living in a beautiful time in history. Let's show up and play full out. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did and that you'll be joining us for the next episode of Bridging the Potential. If you're interested in what we're doing here at Living the Potential Network, please visit our website at livingthepotential.com and maybe check out the first two chapters of Renee Beth's book. Living the Potential, Engaging the Wisdom of Our Youth to Save the World. Till next time.